Cast. You want to see something really scary? You bet. Music, horror, art, politics, and overall badass. Welcome to Kettle Whistle Radio for real on Society 13 Networks. Okay, go ahead. See anything? <laughs> anything. <laughs> perfect, perfect, Good perfect. Morning. How are you? Oh, it's just great. To, actually, um, well, I'm going to say right now, welcome to Kettle Whistle Radio. Um, thank you. Thank you so much for being on. Um, you kind of blew us away with uh, the first segment of, and you know what? Announce the title as it's supposed to be called. It's Sharon Tate in Heaven Super Eight. That's the whole. That's the whole thing. <laughs> and it's fantastic. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure if it, like Super Eight was part of the title or not, but yeah, yeah. It is, it's a play on the Super Eight. The way they would have been able to shoot home movies back in Sharon's day, you know, it would have been a Super Eight. And so the play that is based on is Sharon Tate in Heaven, my play, and this is the film um, version of it. Uh, and so we we added the Super Eight as a way to like. Go into that world, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Now, introduce yourselves to our uh, our audience, our our well, our listeners, if you will. Okay, hi, I'm Jen Danby. I hope you're all having a great morning. And it's a beautiful sunny day, and um, we're yeah, in for Long some Beach of us right now. But it's very cool. And so, hi, um, Philly, right? <laughs> right. Oh, it's freezing here. <laughs> it's freezing. I know it's so pretty from inside. Um, well. I'm an actress and a director, producer, acting teacher, and coach. And um, we're doing this this play, Sharon Tate in Heaven, has been an awesome journey. And it's cool to be here today. We're bringing the play back to Los Angeles in early February. And we have some tour dates coming up in Florida and New York later on. So that's cool. Sometime we were thinking we should come to Philly, you know. But um, we worked on this film. And uh, it's been really a... A beautiful experience. So that, that's that's me. <laughs> uh, I am Lisa Raymond. I have known David for too long. Oh, a few years. So it's not <laughs> to give anybody's age away. Um, I am a uh, multimedia designer, photography, website design, graphic design, video, film, all that good stuff. Um, I'm predominantly creative behind the scenes. That's where I like to be working magic back there and uh was really really excited when jen said she wanted to do a film version of the play um what was what what i are really our first conversation which i thought was really exciting um because the stage show is just jen on stage for about 90 minutes with no wow. intermission wow <laughs> yeah it's 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 and it's the time just flies it's, it's gotta every, be exhausting it's such a compelling piece, though. Um, and the, the challenge was, you know, how do you take that? And our angle was, okay, we have to create the intimacy that you get when you sit in a theater with this show and just watch this one person on stage. How do you take that and recreate that on a film? Because you can't just film her sitting on the stage because that's you're not going to get the same feeling, the same connection. Right, and the visual medium, is, it's got to become a visual language as opposed to the stage, which is, you know, the spoken word. And the whole danger in a live performance where you're with an audience and you're complicit in this confession and this sharing, it's this live time thing. So how do you go to film and kind of create that feeling of, I guess a little bit of that danger, a little bit of that feeling of what's going to happen because it's not, you know, realism, right? It is and isn't. It's like, it's mm -hmm. a real person. This is Sharon Tate who really existed, but the circumstances of like being in the, in the play in a TV interview in heaven, which is just a concept I came up with very intuitively. Um, because it's fantastic. It was it's fantastic. Yeah. It's, yes. And then, and then this, I was like, it's kind of like, a sprite or something like how you <laughs> how you'd how you'd be on a journey with this person after death on a film and also in a film where 
people being just alone on film is a really weird thing. I mean, it's not a medium where people are just with one person. So how is it going to, how is it going to go? And that, but then that becomes part of its story too, that she's alone there. I don't, know? I don't think you could, could have picked a better person to do this with. I mean, really, um, I, I all right, I, when I, I watched the first three, actually I've seen all four of the first four, and I had some, actually friends of the show sit and watch it with me, and they were just like, oh my god, what? I, I only showed them the first episode, and then they wanted to see the rest of it, and I'm like, no, 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 you can't, you can't, but they were totally, like, enthralled with, where, where are they gonna go with this? Thank you, that's very cool, right? Yes. Absolutely enthralled. I don't know where you're going with it. Now, how many episodes have there been, are there five? There's actually four. There's four. That was part of our decision-making process, okay. too, because we went, well, how long? And then we, we thought four just kind of came, in, I guess, like a clock almost. You know, mm-hmm. it goes around <laughs> 15 minutes. Like I don't know. Yeah. It, it's like the, the turning of a clock. But it just felt like that was a good digestible amount of time, sort of like 15 minutes, give or take, for each piece. You know, because it's a short... A shorter attention span medium, everybody tells me, and I think, I guess it's true. Yeah. So, like, if you take it in, those Hmm. bits, and then I wondered, too, and Lisa wondered, well, how do we keep attention going in an episodic way when usually episodes are narrative-driven, like, what's going to happen to so-and-so, and and there's that kind of thing. And we, so we just, we just let it, each one speak as its own, like, entity that, that made sense. And also then we watched it how it would make sense together and that's really what what, mm-hmm. what, what happened yeah it, it kind yeah. of naturally found its its segments you know we look we looked at all the footage and started kind of piecing stuff together and it kind of organically i think laid itself out to four episodes yeah. okay yeah is are there going to be more or is it ending there at this point that it would be ending there because I think although like I could picture my gosh this would be fun to keep playing with forever and always yeah it's, it's, she's really cool she's a she's cool to as an actress to, to hang out with Sharon really yeah cool. oh you're making me want to go back I'm gonna go back into the archives I'm watch Valley of the Dolls again oh, I, yeah, I mean, you, I, got, you fall in I'll love with her that, like you know, so easily you say again <laughs> you fall in love with her so easily oh, like no. she, because she's well, she's, you know, in life, everybody said this about her. Roman Polanski said this about her. Her acquaintances would say this about her colleagues. Um, she had this way of just really being with a person and, and allowing them to just be exactly who they were, just like be really present with them with a kind of really earnest group. Oh, lost you. Face, like an easygoing way of just like, hey, and that it, that's just such an amazing thing. When she did Valley of the Dolls, you, you might really appreciate this because you know how it can get with actresses in Hollywood and all this. Even if people are nice, people get in a business where there's the feeling of there's only so many pieces of the pie or whatever people can get, you know, the stuff that happens in Hollywood, uh, competitions or whatever. But Sharon just really, she never elicited responses of anybody feeling like, who is this? They're territorial. Like Patty Duke and Barbara Parkins are co-stars on mm-hmm. Valley of the Dolls. They were all young and they had ambitions and hopes. They adored her. Um, Barbara Parkins was her maid of honor when she married Roman. They met on the movie and, and Roman and Sharon actually leased the home, uh, of Patty Duke and her husband in Summit Ridge. So it's like really something about her. I mean, I think you're picking up something there about she's beautiful physically, but she's also inside. She's got this kind of thing that's very cool. Enigmatic. <laughs> yeah. She, no, she hang out, a force. you know? I think she was a force, and uh, we didn't get to hear enough, so it's nice that you're revisiting this so we get to, and younger audiences get to know who she is. Well, that would be, that's a good and beautiful thing you're saying, and we definitely, that's exciting to us, you know, and we, because if people want to go Google or check it out or look and see and figure out who she was, and not just in that. Yeah, not just how she died. Exactly. Because that's, and I think that was, you know, part of um, what inspired Jen and what I thought was really great about it. Because, you know, you mention her name to to people and they, you know, you get an an expression on the face from them. And then you say, well, she was the actress who was murdered by, and they go, oh, yeah. And they know his name. Right. And they know know Trent, Trent Reznor. 
recorded an album in the house, yes, in the house to get that yes. weird aura. That's all we associate with my generation exactly. it's really yeah. and you know it's ironic because she's she's got such a light in her she's really she does mm-hmm. so totally. it's like you know you've got this story that has all this crazy darkness but then what's really powerful about it is you know is a story that allows like in an epic way but in a real absolutely real way light and dark like mm-hmm. the human stories you know so it's there's a lot there's a lot there and just letting her like giving her a voice is very cool and so about doing more episodes there's this temptation but on the other hand i i we were really like aware of not wanting to like force it or keep holding on to it because part of it is the the ephemeralness of it that's kind of part of its power but you know i never know i don't ever say no because i keep finding new things but that like like you're saying you know that that you want you want to do more because you want more of sharon but we've never been allowed more of sharon true true you know what i mean so it's like yeah it's like yeah making them want more but you can't get it i I, that's actually the key right there you hear my dog in the background there Uh, miss jet marie she's always in the background of every show so our two cats are sitting here but they're they're actually being very patient and quiet (laughs) now i i do have to tell the audience here that uh, me and lisa have a background here um i was best friends with her brother mr lance however i also bought a certain guitar you did a bass guitar and i can't remember what the heck I paid, was it 50 or 70 bucks that I paid I think, for your bass? I think it was 70. That, that sounds right. That sounds right. I think, I, yeah. yeah, I think you forked over the big bucks. <laughs> it was a big crack in the <laughs> frame and, yes. oh yeah, I love that thing. And it's still in existence. Don't worry. It's just a, Is it really? a couple of houses away. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Oh, I love that thing. That's yes. Cool. Yes. So we go way back. Oh God. Awesome. Was that like 86, uh, when I bought that from you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 86. Sounds right. <laughs> you still, you still playing? Uh, I haven't in a while. <laughs> well, the reason I bring that up, I'm sitting here looking at Shawnee Salt's book that I have in front of me here, and she was on the show not too long ago. You know Shawnee Salt, right? Yes. Oh, my God. What a great show. And Davi, Dava She-Wolf, my best guest ever on the show. I mean, I, go back and listen to that, folks. I'm telling you right now, because, and you'll love it. I mean, these girls are amazing. And, and we're going to listen to one of their tunes right now. Take a little break here real quick. And we'll get back awesome. with Lisa and Jen and awesome. your film. What's it called? Sharon Tate in Heaven Super 8. Very cool. We're going to pay the bills right now, folks. This is Dava Shewolf, and you're listening to Kettle Whistle Radio.
Welcome back, folks, to Kettle Whistle Radio. We have Lisa Raymond and Jen Danby. Is that, yep. how, you, is that how you pronounce your name? Danby, like, well, Danby <laughs> in the British, you know, but you can just Don say Danby. My name is Jennifer. I was named after Jennifer Jones, but I go by Jen for nice. my acting name, Jen Danby. Very yeah. cool. And we're actually discussing... Irish, probably, too. Well, hey, nothing wrong with that. No, I love my <laughs> Irish. Go ahead. No, but we're discussing Sharon Tate right now, which of all things, oh my god, I can't believe I even got close to touching a subject like her, uh, because she's a goddess. She was, and she was short-lived. And your film, to me, brings back what, well, what a lot of folks missed. Mm. Hopefully it will entice them to go back. That's great because you know, you hope, you just want the story to reach people, you know, which is so cool. And you do it live on stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I got to ask, because a lot of people, well, not a lot of people, but the people that watched it with me, they were asking me, where did this come from? Like, where, all of a sudden, out of, were you always obsessed with her or a fan? I wasn't obsessed with her, which, which is probably better, because I, like, if I was really obsessed with her, I don't know if it'd be harder to play her, you know? It's like, if you're really obsessed with somebody, it's harder to go out and have, you know, and act normal and have coffee. <laughs> so I just... Uh, but I liked her, and there are certain moments of contact that just came. You know, I was, I think, I mean, I was aware of her when I was younger, but the first real connection was when I was at college at, in Texas, the University of Texas in Austin, and Lisa was actually with me. And we went to see, um, well, we went to get the video, and, and we went to, a, like, a shady side of town because it was the <laughs> only place that had Valley of the Dolls, and we got Valley of the Dolls and watched it. And I completely didn't remember during the whole movie. I was like, I really love this actress. She's beautiful and she's vulnerable and cool. And I didn't remember at all what had happened to her. And it was after the movie, Lisa said, hey, you know, remember she was the one who was killed by Manson family. And I said, what? You know, and I think the fact that I was just with her having no memory of that whatsoever was like the beginning and also the the reason I can play her because I didn't I didn't have that in my head. And then there were a couple of other moments. I did the ABC soap, One Life to Live. I was on doing a small part. It was a Vietnam episode. And all of a sudden, the uh, costume people and hair people said, get her, get her. She looks like Sharon Tate. She looks like Sharon Tate. And I was in the chair in the makeup room. And I I worked on soaps a bit before doing, you know, small things and and this had never happened. They were kind of gathered around, and they were really gleeful. And they're like, look, look. And they were doing my hair and my makeup. And they said, she looks like. So that just didn't, it just was somewhere in my head, I guess, or whatever. I didn't think about it. It was fun. It was flattering. But it was, you know, she's beautiful. But it was it was just a fun day. Then I found a book called Polarized from the Dead. And it had a picture of her from Valley of the Dolls on the front. And I just propped it up. I didn't know why. And then... um Ironically, reading Marvel Comics, I used to read a lot of Marvel Comics when I was a kid. I did Barbie and I did superheroes. Um, <laughs> there was a Sharon Carter character, this blonde girl with Captain America, and she looked, I swear to God, I think she's based on Sharon Tate. I still believe it. Probably. The early, the Probably. And I, I, if you look at her really early stuff, and I, it, it's just this whole evocative thing, and I, I, I that just came in for different pop culture reasons that was in my mind, and I suddenly went, you know, I think I want to do a show about <laughs> Sharon. And I had done one on Marilyn Monroe called The Blonde Bombshell Project. And I literally said, I think I want to do a show about Sharon. And I wrote Austin Pendleton, who's a sensei of mine, and uh, in the Japanese sense, you know, a sensei. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and he, he also, we had worked on some other things like The Marilyn Project. And I said, I think I want to do a play about Sharon. But the only reason I'm hesitant is because of how she was, she died. And, uh, and he said, you know, the fact that that's the only thing I know about her is how she died makes me think you should just go for it. And I said, well, good, because I want to. And so that's how that happened. So I started bringing stories in from each week to this pro actor lab I was doing with Austin and different people there. And I just come in each week and tell like four or five minutes from the beginning I wanted it to be a community sort of thing a communal thing and I didn't really know why that was intuitive too but that's what I would do and actually met a woman there who worked at the hair salon of Jay Sebring who was Sharon's boyfriend and who was killed along with her she worked there and she said to me afterward 
you sound like her because she used to call the salon. She waited a few weeks to tell me this. Her name's Victoria. She's beautiful and a cool actress. And she said she used to call the salon Sharon. And no matter how many times she called and knew, you know, I'd answer the phone or someone would answer the phone, she'd always say, this is Miss Tate. Is Jay there, please? <laughs> Lightly. And I love the story. I just love the way everything came together. And the film, I know, the film, we, we just knew, like, we want to express this. People would say to us, you should make a movie, you should make a movie. I'm gonna, and I, even before they said that, we I said to you, one yes. day, you know, we should make a movie. We should just shoot it on the beach or something. Yep. And then we got this idea um, when we were out doing the play in California. We have to shoot it in L.A. And it has to be done that she's never inside. We just had this feeling. She's yep. never in a house. She's right. outside. Yeah, yeah. And she's... Um, and that's all we really knew. <laughs> How, yeah. that, that leads me to my next question. How did you get the location <laughs> permits? Or you didn't care? You just went for it? Guerrilla, right? I mean, it was this guerrilla filming or what? You mean how we did it? Yeah. Well, like the, there you, were, you, you obviously didn't get permits for anything, right? Well, because I'm Screen Actors Guild, um, oh. we had to go through all the steps. Gotcha, you know? gotcha. So we, we wrote a 16... I wrote a script. And I... Um, because it all has to go through that, you know, and I Oh, wrote yeah, because she wrote the script because what she didn't tell you is the stage show was never written down. Hmm. Well, yeah. And all, all the pieces are there every night, but they may, like, shift position where they are in the show. Let me explain but, that. Yes. That the piece is written, like, in the body. That's right. a great point. But And it's for copyright and everything. I made an audio recording. But in the copyright office and all that, but I never wrote it outside. At, like Lisa just said, I never wrote it outside of my body onto a piece of paper, and that was also intuitive. It might have been because of what happened to her and how that just affected me. I wanted it like Black Elk talks and Black Elk speaks. You know, the Sioux mm-hmm. medicine man about sharing stories communally, so they belong to everybody. It was just some intuitive thing, but that's that feels like it connects for me. But the movie, um, you know, yeah, we did. We had to do all the things we needed to do. And being Screen Actors Guild, they need a script. So what I did was I wrote a script and I, I that I devised and imagined with visual images and some some of the monologues and then uh, submitted that. And, of course, it's allowed to change. But when we went there, we were like, okay, we know the locations. We know the visual things we want to play with. And we shot um, out there and got those physical places but then we realized for example the monologues that we delivered in front of the Hollywood sign I wasn't sure where they were going to be given I really wasn't and when we got there it had a sort of feeling of being the right place almost like the stage would be to mm-hmm. to talk so that's why that became a locus for those speeches you know so it it's but it was it's definitely this raw filmmaking style of you're holding something and you're shooting it like home movies yeah, and that, that gave us a lot of the feeling of the time and the feeling of from for me as Sharon that that this is just a home movie that, <laughs> you know that, like that was yeah there's this home movie element to it of just being myself in front of the thing and then um in this new situation of course and then um what you know what we needed to 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 get when we when we put it all together we had this amazing power in a good way to play with the plastic elements of filmmaking we were able to shooting it in a new media and editing looking at it the editing was completely still directorial because you're just it's like you have play-doh or like mm-hmm. the way van gogh puts paint on a canvas is these is these thick clumps like icing and texture we could take everything and really it became part of the storytelling too. Yeah. Like what's the what's the effect going to be like? What's mm-hmm. what we do black and white? What is the cuts going to be like? That helped with the whole what the story is actually doing. Yeah. Cropping, hope, you know, coming coming in really <laughs> tight. Yeah. Cropping on a on a scene, you know, on a moment because the mm-hmm. a lot of the footage is further back and encompasses a great more you know, a, a much bigger amount of background or more of, of Sharon's physical self. And there were moments where the, you know, the script lent themselves to, you know, what happens if we come in really tight on here? What, you know, what if we've, you got this tool that you didn't have when you're on the stage where we get to control the gaze. 
Absolutely. Um, I I gotta tell you, yeah, I mean, it's, I'm getting chills just hearing your voice, Jen, just cause I I watched it and it it just like, I sat there in the dark the way you should with headphones on private by by myself and watched it all the way through. And I gotta tell you, I mean, it is horrifically sad. At the same time, but it's inspiring and beautiful. But- As you say that, and I feel it's so fascinating to me because I feel like her joy as I'm walking around, the things that she loved about life, but mm-hmm. people's responses, people that sensitive people like you are, like when Austin saw it, he saw it and directed the play. He saw it on Christmas, the day after Christmas, actually, he saw the film. And his response was that too. He was like, there's all this joy in her, but it's, shattering and you know sad and well, you're just sad and i kind of she never got to express it she never got to express herself that that's the truth the truth of life and of her story you know but I, I appreciate that you're feeling all that and uh that's cool like on the beach when we did that close-up mm-hmm. we were we were thinking of just getting close to the body almost mm-hmm. like an animal not not in a good or bad way but what is that like just to be in that intimacy with her. So it was very intuitive, you know. And, and um, we, uh, yeah, because we, we started hearing feedback from some people saying, you know, I love it. You know, I love this. This is amazing. And it's, you know, it's sad. And Jen and I at first were like, really? It's because we were so in the joy of it. And then in talking, we said, you know, that's good. Though. maybe it's also that for the first time, people are actually experiencing fully who she was. And the loss of her now becomes a sadness while watching the film because you realize what was taken. You mean because Mm. you see her just walking Because you see her in in a full context that we've forgotten her in. Yeah. True. Absolutely. uh, The music. Okay. um, Where did the music come from? Because it provides emotion even like when you can't hear what Sharon is saying. Or what, what were you going for that? Like there's this, the, yeah, we're the, the going music is. That in certain places. We actually were going for that. We were, we were going for that, that thing. Like I guess if like the visual does where you hear her and then you don't hear her or her voice becomes part of the weave or there's yeah. times that the music, what she's saying isn't even what matters in that moment or, you know, like it's so not that, not that it doesn't matter, but what she, the, what we're capturing is that you're, you're trying to touch her or hear her or see her, you know. And you're, so you're taking in what's there for you sensorially. But the music came, Lisa found the music and it's awesome. It's like this music, it's really generous. It's, it's actually cause I, we did all the editing in iMovie. Yeah. And shockingly, iMovie has really good music options <laughs> that you can use. And like, cause you know, I was just poking around in there yeah. and we hit a couple of them that were like, no, this is definitely not right. But then, you know, we came upon some of them that was like, oh my God. This yeah, is just like I had to navigate epic. things where I wanted to sing. Like I, I, I started to sing some Beatles songs very intuitively on the road. <laughs> and if you really tried to put the Beatles songs in, you know, you would spend like $10,000. I mean, I, I talk, you know, it's expensive. So I thought, well, you know, I have this other song I sang. I made up, you know, Roman, I love you, that song. <laughs> and, um, and so. It doesn't, so there's all these, there are ways where like in one part of the footage, we literally don't let you like play over something I was singing because we can't use it. But that became part of the dramatic thing in the movie of, you know, um, her trying to be heard or something in the moment. Bonnie flies over the ocean is a Scottish traditional tune, but that's my little wink because John Lennon and the Beatles did that, you know, with Tony Sheridan. Mm -hmm. So I had my little moment of like, yeah, I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to get me singing my Beatles song in the film. And there's a discord because it's not in the same key or as the the thing that's playing the background and that's on purpose and it's not in sync on purpose. And then it does sort of weirdly suddenly become in the right key and in harmony with the music. And that was just, so we had this music and we figured out where we wanted to put it and what songs. And I, I, I'm glad you're saying that because we figured out, you know, you make an emotional connection to certain songs, like certain musical hooks and stuff. So mm-hmm. we figured out where does that go in relation to like the heart story. So you hear that certain pendulum song right. dun, 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 mm-hmm. with the heart when she's throwing the heart in the mm-hmm. sand with Sharon and Roman. And, and, and using the, the same, hill. the same, yeah. um, music throughout different episodes to kind of keep you in that emotion. Yeah. 
Well, it's awesome all all around. I love every aspect of it. We're going to get back into this. We're going to take a quick break here. Um, and we'll get back with Elisa and Jen and Sharon, of course. Stay with us. I'm not afraid of the dark, but you should be. There are things that dwell here in the dark. Things best left unseen. With the initial smoke clear from the fall of tomorrow... The blood now flows even thicker with dwelling in the dark. Eleven stories. All bits of the same mysterious puzzle. Fitting together with horrific parallels to its predecessor. Get ready for new, truly terrifying tales set in the broken world from the fall of tomorrow. Take a closer look at what's now dwelling in the dark. If you dare. Available on Amazon in traditional print and ebook. Get your copy today. Visit www.fairlydarkproductions.com for more info on the author and his work. Thanks for still listening to Kettle Whistle Radio with Jen, Lisa, and Sharon. <laughs> but let's get into this, Jen. Um, your acting background. What else have you done outside of this piece? Outside of this piece, I've done different awesome like roles like Tennessee Williams characters, Blanche Dubois and Maggie Pollitt, Maggie the Cat from Canada Hutton Roof. Catherine and Suddenly Last Summer, that's a great one. Uh, Jane and View Carey, so this is Tennessee Williams. I've done uh, Evelyn Jackson and the Rhymers of Eldridge. Amy Wright directed that, Rip Torn's Wife, and a beautiful Lanford Wilson play about really like the repression effect on a, on a culture and what that starts to do to you, a town, just the stuff that comes out when you can't express your passion. I'm really oversimplifying that, but, <laughs> but it's, you know, I'm basically, I, I'm not, you know, I'm a, I'm a woman who's trying to control my little girl and, it, and then it gets like too much, but it's, it's, she's a great character. Um, what else? Vivian Lee. I did a Vivian Lee, the last press conference written by Marcy Lafferty was actually William Shatner's second wife. She came to see it. And uh, I did that in New York and Florida in my Marilyn Monroe, the blonde bombshell project. I have a new show coming out on Michelle Pfeiffer, which is about going from being, you know, 18 to being in your fifties in Hollywood. That's going to come to Longview for women's history month. Um, I've done different stuff. Some film, a film called run three with, um, a really talented director coming out with her. She's doing her uh, NYU film degree, you know, and master's work. And uh, I worked with really cool people. Um, I played this Irish mother who is terrible. I'm terrible. I send my little girl to get me booze, you know, like cheap beer. <laughs> I mean, it's like one of these. We had a good time, though. Hey, okay um, there, Axl Rose. So I know, exactly. that. <laughs> Oh yeah, speaking of that, we did a Seagull 19, it's set in LA in 1969 called Seagull 69, an adaptation of Chekhov Seagull with my company right on the way to Sharon. So it allowed all those energies to be there. And I played Nina. That was a hell of a lot of fun. Like she wanted to be a, a rock star actress, you know, <laughs> but, um, that was a lot of fun. And, and imagine you... like Peggy Lipton mm-hmm. type, but she tried to make it in TV and then, uh, she couldn't, she couldn't really last. She got, she got let go. So that was the, um, that was the equivalent of Chekhov's world. We were in Hollywood trying to make it, and I couldn't, I couldn't get any more work. You know, <laughs> it was really cool. We that had... was that was such a good production, and it was um, interesting because Jen came to me one day and she said, you know, I have this idea of for doing the Seagull, you know, by Chekhov, and I'm like, okay, Russian estate, 19th century, and she's like, no, we're going to set it in Hollywood in 1969, and I said, how is that going to translate? <laughs> and, we how, had... and it. Yeah, we was had, amazing. We had a good time. How well it and just that, well, you know, it was like ambitious, well, very ambitious. I'm going to give you an exclusive now. Uh-oh. Well, I'll tell. Well, I'll tell you one more thing. I'll take past. it. I I did thing with uh, 
Susan Lucci, who played Erica Kane and all my children, of I was course. playing like her, Still a doll. her assistant, and they, they gave me this hair roller, you know, like the roller thing, not a hair a roller, lint roller, a mm-hmm. lint roller, and they're like, you have to roll her down. I'm like, what? <laughs> I, I, I would do that. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> and we did it in one take. I mean, it just flowed, you know. <laughs> so, so, um, so my background's really more stage. I mean, I started doing stuff when I was a kid in high school. I did one flew over the cuckoo's nest in high school. I wait, wait, wait. Nest. Before we go too far here, um, yeah. um, That's how I much did. rolling did you have to do <laughs> with Erica? How much rolling? Was well, it like she, the whole I dress? Fine, her back. And then she kind of... Did you get the roller butt? bone up and I kind of went down. She, you know, not down, down, but I went down to the, just the top of, you know. Okay, went, so, the top so of the my head. male listeners are very happy right now. <laughs> yeah, it was, she's, she was lovely. She was very... <laughs> yes, we deliver here every now and then. And once in a while, you get a little Erica. You get a little... She was Erica. one of my first crushes, so I had to make you elaborate. Really? She's, yeah, she's... Oh, yeah. She's, she's really so, she was so, she's beautiful and she's so nice. Um, so She's anyway, a, so, isn't she a yeah, Long Islander? I don't want to bore you with like high school. This but is I not boring. Nurse Nakamura and I had to, cause it was out in Shoreham Wading River and I, I played Nurse Nakamura and I had to strap down the guys for their electroshock, but it was a comedy <laughs> scene in the play, you know, it was like, so, you know, these early things. Anyway, um, but the exclusive is that we have a trilogy now that we're developing. And actually, um, one of the actors in it, who was also in, who's Trigorin in the Seagull 69, he had been out in LA, so when we were riffing a lot, we said, you know, this whole Chekhov world reminds of LA, and mm-hmm. so, um, it just flowed really well, but the exclusive is that we're going to have a trilogy that's coming out, the sta- a stage trilogy, so Sharon Tate in Heaven is the first part, and again, this so came very cool. intuitively, really? that's and awesome. because I find that I want to keep romping with Sharon, it's called Charlie and Sharon, and it's an encounter between Charles Manson and Sharon Tate oh, with boy. a really amazing actor called Daniel Delano, and it's it is after she's dead, but it's like they just they it's about just having having to deal with each other. It's and so um, and then Sharon and Roman, which is about Sharon and Roman Polanski, her husband, and it's the same thing. It'll it'll probably have things before. Uh, that are visited and then after we're still figuring out the exact structure but we're creating these pieces together myself and the two guys Andy McCutcheon plays Roman and as I said Danny Delano plays Charles Manson and the Charlie and Sharon is going to come to New York in June of 2016 so you have to come you must come to New York Austin Pendleton is directing these two also so that's the cool cool follow through I really trust him with the work and as an actress I'm pretty um I'm Method actress makes people, it conjures up images of torment and some, like insanity. But no, but actually I'm making a joke because Lee Strasberg, <laughs> I really love what he does. And the, and the last Lee Strasberg Institute in LA has been a beautiful home for the play for four times now going out there. But, um, I am a method actress in the temperament and my trainings included that and things, you know, coming out of that, like, uh, Uta Hagen and, different things and I studied with Olympia Dukakis a while and Alex Neal and people but it all comes out of that idea of being truthful and real and Stanislavski the Russian director and actor who who was the the, the basis for the American method you know well it, um, really important like, though method right? is like just be real and true and so I researched Sharon and I try to just find her and she finds me and then what Angelina Jolie says you know she says you should always play women you date <laughs> she says i only play women i date and that's a pretty good way to say it because you have to like, be able to be with them a lot you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah you get to know them a little bit a little just a little bit um really important though you should right now you should really plug your twitter where to find your stuff before i forget you should do that right now okay so twitter is american underscore blonde which is for my this american blonde actress which was the nickname from my big brother, and then it's also like my moniker that I use, This American Blonde Actress. I have a Facebook page. My Facebook page is This American Blonde Actress, so it's kind of fun. But American underscore blonde Twitter, and then Mississippi Mud Productions is Miss underscore Mud underscore Prod, like P Productions. Um, So M-I-S-S underscore M-U-D underscore P-R-O-D. And then we also have, um, what do I have? I have an Instagram what is that? American Blonde Actress. And then I have a Tumblr. Mm-hmm. That's not as big, though. But mm-hmm. I think Tumblr is a lot of fun. 
Um, and then we have Facebook pages, Mississippi Mud Productions, this American Blonde Actors, and Lisa has L.A. Raymond Designs, <laughs> which is for her photography and her design work. And I think she did, I got to tell you one last thing, the intuitive work, like when we were at the Summit Ridge location, that house at the end of the second episode, and like I jump up and I reach up to touch a leaf, and Lisa just shot that. She moved up and captured my hand and all this. We never talked about that. That was a very feeling each other, almost like dance partners. Lisa's just so good at this. Like, you couldn't do it if you didn't have the right partner to really Mm. work with you creatively to get, let you feel safe and try things. And we came from this idea, like, if Sharon and Roman were making a home movie, it was really a love story. And it's funny because we we both had the same Um, idea before ever having the conversation about it. Because I said to Jen, I said, you know, I'm almost feeling... When we go and we shoot, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm Roman filming you. And she said, oh, my God, I was feeling like I was going to be Sharon with Roman filming me. So wow, that kind of, yeah, Sh- I, you know, I think Sharon was definitely watching over the project. I hope so. I think I so, so because we, we just had so many yeah, moments did. that were mm-hmm. unexpected, unplanned. I mean, definitely. you know spirit to be around her, her we, voice we yeah. went to tommy's i had an excuse to eat a fattening burger <laughs> because she loves yeah i love that I, I do it like i'm always like moderation like you know but that was like that was moderation can also be an average you know right. <laughs> <laughs> so you can do something really over the top like have a tommy's chili burger and that and is I would, wait in and out burger my friend highly recommend in and out burger yes <laughs> holy crap you have to do your research you have to have all the food you know you got well taste. I, I have seen up to part four and i i uh, i hope there's more but i have to ask you you kind of answered this question it's, um, it's good well <laughs> it's awesome okay. but Will she ever address her unborn child and were you, or were you just like steering clear of that completely? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm not, as of now, you know, in the stage play and, well, in the stage play, what I do say, I don't, I have, it's distilled now to where I talk about the night and say I remember the events of the evening, but it's really distilled down. And part of that was when we were bringing it to LA, uh, because that's so close to where everything happened. Mm-hmm. I just felt like this could get simpler. I, I, an earlier version, I really went through the events of the night and the play. Um, but then I distilled it down to certain junctures because I didn't really, it's not really about that. I had right. to pass through it as an actress, as the character. I have to, to do this part, mm-hmm. but I had, uh, you know, I, I then I didn't want to give it so much because it's enough to touch on it. And what I talked about there was I just listened to my baby's heartbeat. Mm. So in the play, I reference while that was going on, what I'm listening to is my baby's heartbeat, which then takes me to things that I tell want, want for my child. So it's as if like I'm coming to the love again, you know, mm-hmm. in the right. movie that I didn't raise the child. And that question came up and it's really beautiful. There was one take and I don't think we used it where I said, I want to be a wife and a mother. And I said, take it out because it was also the, and Lisa felt it too, but it was like this, it's because it was the vibe of that interview when she's really in her actress place. It, 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 it was better to just say wife and, and, and it wasn't there yet, but in time, but also I felt that that would be, it might rip you almost it might pull it down too much. Everybody knows who knows the story. So we didn't want something that would almost pull you out of the moment because you suddenly went, Oh my God, that, do you know what I mean? Without, yeah. without not being honest, but we didn't want that. It just didn't feel right. What happened with the child, the, the touching on the child in the movie is in that playground. Mm-hmm. And that was a miracle. No, you did it tastefully and it's so perfect. He, I, I, and he was it, there. It and that was, that was <laughs> that one of those moments yeah. that was not scripted. And we were, really? we, were, we knew we wanted a playground and we were trying to find a playground. So, oh, you know, God, we found it, this little spot and we, you know, boy was there Jen, and he, he said, was there and they said, it's fine. You can film him. And you he know. really said, you can come to my house tomorrow. That was just the boy. Hmm. So it was like pretty, pu- so to me, I said, oh my God, the child's here. Cause I did somehow want the child here, but we didn't mm-hmm. know how. And then to have a child there that could have been the, I mean, it could be, it's a boy, <laughs> but it's like in the joy of what the child is. Cause that's what. She was so into it. She was like, she was reading a book and she was in a German interview and she said, I'm really into this beautiful quote that if you don't let a child break porcelain, you mm-hmm. hurt their mental evolution. It's one of my favorite things. In the book. She's like, you got to let them 
And I said, that says so much about who she is. Wow. Her dad was in the military, so they had that kind of loving but strict upbringing. So that that thought, even that thinking was radical as, you know, in terms of, in terms of how you think of duty and how you should be, you know, disciplined. And she was those things, but she was loving and spontaneous and and traditional and modern, a whole mix. I actually have, you know, it's funny. Um, I actually have a a final question here comes from a listener and one of our co-hosts, Dr. Matt. All right. Yeah. Cause he was enthralled by this thing. Um, he he asked this. Okay. I answer however you want. What message he texted, he just texted me. What message do they want the viewer to understand she is telling us from the beyond? I think I want you to understand whatever you want to, and that might sound like a cop out, but I think no. I just want you to experience her and just watch her and know that like, I don't know. Hey, I love life. I'd love to be reincarnated and be with Roman again, but you know what? I'm just, I'll tell you something, life and light always, is always the way, but I'm just me. That's what I would want to say, because that's what Sharon would say, I'm just me. And she would say, um, inner beauty, inner beauty is the thing that matters the most, because she would say, it's what we do to one another. So I think that's what, I hope that she's making you happy for a little while, even if you're sad. My message is, I'm just me, be happy, and love everything in your life. Perfect. I I could not ask for a, a better statement beyond that um listen this was fantastic i want to thank you two ladies lovely ladies so much for this this is <laughs> great you. and i i want more though are we gonna get more well you're really tempting <laughs> and you know it doesn't take much and you know we like, are we I'm are flying to name. la next next month okay see how we, we for, could be oh yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna plug <laughs> i'm gonna plug our two los angeles dates do it if you don't mind february 5th Friday night, 8 p.m., February 6th, Saturday night, 8 p.m., at the Lee Strasberg Theater and, and Film Institute amazing. in West Hollywood. We love them. And American Methods. Come to the show. We're, uh, we're being, we have press coming Friday. It's our first L.A. press showing up. So come out, support the show, and yeah, be and, a part of the love. And um, I, I wish, also I wish I could. We want to put the trilogy on film. Like yes. we're giving you a really big exclusive, but we yes. have an idea that both of those can be f- film projects as well. So the Charlie and Sharon and and, and uh, Sharon and Roman. But you're still tempting me on more Sharon. <laughs> so I might like we might you might find us like going okay okay. okay well, David, David did say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, you could have your own YouTube channel. You could do like a weekly show. It could become that. So be careful. Uh-oh. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, yeah. All right. I want to thank you so much for coming on. This was fantastic. And uh, come back. And uh, please. What, what else can I say here? You you guys you. Thank you. So much fun. Thank you for making And the me. insight. And my God, now I'm going to go watch a Sharon Tate film. No doubt. Yeah. My favorite is Eye of the Needle. Oh, good one. Okay. I have the devil. <laughs> I keep saying I have the needle. She doesn't want to say devil. She keeps saying Kate Nelligan. They tried to change the name to make it seem less scary oh, yeah. in America, so they changed it from 13, which is what it's actually called, to Eye of the Devil because they thought Eye of the Devil was less scary than 13. That tells you something about puritanical <laughs> thinking. Mm, yeah. So yes, but Eye of the Devil. Minus 12 plus 1 chairs, which they also called 13. <laughs> <laughs> There's an issue with the title 13. I love all of them, but that one's fun. All right, cool, because I need something to watch tonight. I'm going back to my Sharon's. Watch the 13 from 1966 and the 13 from 1960. There you go. Okay. Love you, ladies. Thank you so much, and thanks for listening to Kettle Whistle Radio. Thank you so much.
ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with ElectroCast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of ElectroCast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join ElectroCast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to ElectroCast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Electric acid.